Welcome to the Green Edge podcast with Michael Cross and me, Fraser Harper. This is our weekly roundup for the week ending 25th of November 2022. In this week's Green Edge post, we're going through the looking glass again into the world of sustainability careers. Now, we've written on this topic previously, but this time we're looking at what a person at whatever level of qualification can do to prepare for one of the increasing number of jobs in the field. To quote the old American actor Milton Berle, if opportunity doesn't knock, build a door. Sounds a really good bit of advice, that. But there are several doors you can knock on. And what seems to come through is the four pathways that seem to be around. One is the science pathway. One is the technology pathway. There's an operations and strategy one. And finally, there's a sort of a data evaluations and assessment pathway. And it would be really nice to see some of these pathways properly mapped out using the methodology used by IFATE for their occupationals and their standards. Now, in the post, we consider advice from a lady called Nahia Ordunia. I hope I said that correctly, who tells us she's a manager of solution architecture at Amazon Web Services. And she also writes on a wide range of subjects. She highlights four areas to work on. First of all, educate yourself on the three pillars of sustainability. Secondly, identify your area of expertise. Thirdly, upskill. And fourthly, apply to the right companies. Good advice, Michael? It does sound like good advice. And certainly we've used some of that thinking for an import we are making next week to a careers events on sustainability careers. For those looking to choose both what A-levels to do and also which degrees to do. And so we've structured our advice and some of our handouts around that thinking, and particularly picking up from our post a few weeks ago around the sustainability manager role and the profile we provided in that post as a way of actually trying to highlight to people the nature of the job and the very fact that it is a job that occurs in every sector. Now, just as an aside to this conversation, during the course of researching this week's post, we came across an interesting article on the FutureLearn online education platform, and it was linked to a course from RMIT University in Australia. And this was in relation to the three pillars of sustainability. And RMIT adds a further pillar alongside the social pillar, that being human capital. Now, the difference here is that human capital refers to the knowledge, skills and competences within a population, in particular related to their economic value, whereas social capital refers to the resources we gain from networks, norms and trusts and so on. And Michael, to me, green human capital is what we stand for most on the green edge. It is. And it's something we are trying to push as hard as we can in relation to the government picking up this and trying to work out the pools of skills we need and also the numbers of people with those skills to actually deliver our move to net zero and create quite a different society, being a zero carbon society. If you just take one number that sticks with me for renewable energy worldwide, that will create in excess of 30 million green energy jobs by 2050, of which a fair chunk of those will be here in the UK. And yes, we can see and touch them already when we look at the offshore and onshore wind farms, the battery installations and the like. But there's more to come as we completely transform our energy sector. And a reminder that you can find this week's post, Building the Door for Opportunity to Knock, on greenedge.substack.com. And you can also find this podcast on all the major streaming platforms, including Apple, Google and Amazon.
Now, Michael, staying with the subject of green careers, we had an interesting conversation the other day with a gentleman called Nick Newman of National Careers Week. We did. It was a lovely conversation. And it was great to see we had a Green Careers Week at the beginning of November. That is going to be repeated next year. And also we'll have a dedicated day during National Careers Week in March for green careers. So it's great to see this prominence and it allows some real focus, but also the creation of lots of fantastic materials for people to access throughout the year to actually engage with and think through the options that are out there. And here's what Nick had to tell us about Green Careers Week. Green Careers Week in itself is is part of, of something a lot bigger called National Careers Week, which happens every year and has been going on for the last 12, 13 years. And that has been a celebration of careers in general across all sectors and all types, bringing free information to young people from primary up to uni, embarking on their kind of futures or thinking about their futures and showing the breadth of opportunities that that lie out there, especially at times when I guess all the press and the media is so negative. It's important, we feel, to keep young people positive about the future, positive about opportunities and, and take ownership of that themselves in some way, understand that Perhaps their future is different to what their parents might be telling them and what other people that are a lot older might be telling them. You know, their future could easily be multiple jobs simultaneously. It could be a much more of an emphasis on this, what we call portability of skills. So skills that can be applied across different kinds of sectors. It may well be that they're working from home a lot more than going into a place, a physical place of work that may not be their home. So there's a lot of change out there. And I guess we're all about as an organisation trying to just empower young people to take control of their own futures by giving them access to better knowledge, better information and encouraging them to pick up the reins themselves of their own future and to do something really positive about it and know that through all the free resources, that we have and our partners have, that they've got places they can go to to get that information if they're not getting it from their parents, from their friends, from their schools, from wherever, whatever environments they happen to be in at that time. So it's that encouraging individual decision making and empowering individuals, whatever age, to get that information themselves and to be able to forge their own pathway, whatever direction that's in. And I can say it will not be linear like the old days. Green Careers Week was a great success. Many schools and colleges got involved and hopefully it's the first of of many steps toward enlightening and educating and bringing more knowledge to young people and in in the question around getting knowledgeable about um, the kind of opportunities that exist in, in what's called the green economy. Although Green Careers Week for 2022 has passed, there's still a good series of Green Careers Week downloads on the National Careers Week website at nationalcareersweek, all one word, dot com. So, Michael, almost the end of the month and we'll be posting your November reports roundup next week. What's particularly caught your eye this month? Two documents I'd like to highlight for this week. They are the Carbon Disclosure Project do a list of A cities, and they are cities that are ranked as being really moving the net zero debate forward. Now, they looked at over a thousand and they found 122 hit their A list, of which 18 are in the UK. The thing that intrigued me about the list, because they're spread in Scotland, Northern Ireland and England, 
none were named in Wales, and they excluded some of our favourite cities like Glasgow and Bristol, Oxford and Cambridge, you'd expect to see on the list, and Brighton, of course. And the second document is the annual report of the Rocky Mountain Institute, which sounds like, who are they? They are a 600-person body that produces everything related to energy and energy in the transition to net zero. Now, their annual report, I really like, because it also, apart from talking at the general analysis of the energy transition, picks out six states within the United States that are really powering ahead. And irrespective of which president they choose to have in a few years' time or what is said at COP, they are powering ahead. These are states like California, Colorado, Illinois, New Jersey, New York and Washington state. There are some very obvious states people would have picked out straight away, but it's great to see them there. I'm surprised Oregon, for example, isn't on that list as well, but it's great to see them. And I think it's what it's showing is both city regions and its individual states within a country can actually make a massive change to net zero. And we'll be picking up on both of those in our roundup going out on December the 1st. Thank you for listening to this Green Edge podcast. This podcast series accompanies the Green Edge newsletter to which you can subscribe at greenedge.substack.com. The Green Edge is produced by Blue Mirror Insights.